Welcome into the Vandal Insider Podcast. This episode fresh off of an impressive and dominating Vandal football win, 33-6, the victory for Idaho over Nevada in Reno. We've got plenty to touch on with that, but we've got a packed episode, not only looking back at the victory over the Wolfpack, we've got a lot to look forward to. We will be joined by the head coach of the University of Idaho men's basketball team, Alex Pribble, a wide-ranging interview. We'll talk about him putting the roster together, the staff together, his thoughts on the schedule for this year. We even uh, get to the hardest hitting question, whether he'll be wearing a suit and tie on the sideline or if he'll be in a uh, polo or a quarter zip. We will get to the bottom of that, uh, of course, very important question. And then as we preview what's coming up for the Vandal football team, 2-0 and on the year, the team will head down to Berkeley to take on Cal Saturday. We will chat with Justin Allegri, who is the broadcaster for the Cal Bears. We'll hear about the start to the season for Cal and kind of their point of view on this game. And right now we're excited to welcome in Chris Hammond from the VSF. Chris, it's great chatting with you. You were down there as well in Reno. What was that experience like for you over the weekend and just having the, uh, the front row seat to a big-time van? victory uh chris it was it was so much fun to be down in reno it's such a fun town it, it's cool to kind of re, rebuild that old rivalry i think they said the rivalry is 99 years old the first time we met and uh seeing how much reno fans kind of missed playing the vandals played a little bit of a soft spot in the, the old heartstrings there but getting to be there yeah sideline um watching the game it, it was very impressive to see how much Idaho seemed to dominate a FBS opponent, something that a lot of us were talking about on the ride home is is a feeling that Idaho hasn't had in a long time being able to play up and not just win, but really handle their opponent. So it was a, it was a very fun time in Reno. It certainly was. If you were a Vandal there at Mackey Stadium on Saturday, you walked away with a big smile on your face. And, you know, some of the notable things about this victory, it was really a complete performance. The offense, you know, not even close when it came to total yardage, over 400 yards for the Vandal offense, dominating what Nevada was able to get an output offensively. And and that's the big tip of the hat to the Vandal defense. The Vandal defense limiting Nevada without a touchdown in the game. So you look back at this history and you touched on how long it's gone back. This series started in 1924. It's the 30th meeting. This was the largest margin of victory for the Vandals ever against Nevada. And the only time Idaho has played Nevada in Reno and has kept the Wolf Pack without a touchdown. So it was a dominating victory. And and Chris, the, kind of the cherry on top, Ricardo Chavez had a great game. Two excellent punts. He was four for four on field goals. And Chavez was named the FCS National Special Teams Player of the Week and the Big Sky Special Teams Player of the Week. There's a lot of kudos to go around. There is. And another kudos. Uh, you mentioned how strong the defense was. Rob Orich won a Defensive Coordinator of the Week award as well. Probably the best overall performance we've seen from the Vandal defense in the year plus of the EC regime. Rob Orich putting out probably his best defensive performance. It was so much fun to watch. The McCormick brothers looked like they really wanted to prove Nevada wrong. We're not giving them some recruiting looks, but the whole defense was flying around. Some of the transfers on the defensive line, uh, especially James Newby, like it was so much fun to watch those guys just – Humming around, they were put in some tough situations. They bent, they never broke. You mentioned didn't give up a touchdown. It was so much fun to watch this team go. And another fun little tidbit, there was another Chris in attendance at the game. Chris Tormey was on the sidelines. 
that guy looked like he was still a coach for either one of these teams. Uh, he was having his vandal gear on, but he was patrolling the sidelines looking like he was about to make some calls. It was it was a very fun experience down in Reno. Well, I, I laugh you bring that up. We mentioned it uh, between Trent Cowan and myself during the broadcast looking down. Uh, I don't think his allegiance in that game w- was in question. He was on the Vandal sideline at one point. I kind of jokingly said he was about 10 feet away from, from Coach Eck during the game. And uh, even though he coached at both schools, I think uh, uh, there was one that he was uh, pulling for is what it looked like. And the one he was pulling for definitely had him had the better day than the other. And uh, there are a lot of great moments in that game. Uh, what to you kind of comes to mind? Did do you have a favorite moment? Uh, I know it's hard to pick. It's one of those uh, good situations where there were plenty. Yeah, I'll, I'll narrow it down to kind of three plays that I think really stood out to me in that game. Was uh, that obviously the first play when McCoy hits Ivy over the middle, and that on its own was great. But the way that Anthony Woods blocked down the sideline was truly phenomenal. You don't see a lot of running backs at any level, including the NFL, getting two pancake blocks, you know, lead blocking for a tight end. That It's usually the opposite way around the tight end is pancake blocking for the running back. So it was really cool to see Anthony Woods just be so productive off the ball on that play and really set the tone early. Uh, And then I think right back when we had to prevent the answer, they test uh, Harris deep really, really early on. And Harris has great coverage. It's one of those plays that gets lost in the whole grand scheme of it. But Nevada tried to answer back quick. They threw a deep pass and Harris was there in absolutely perfect coverage. That was about one of the best passing threats they had all game and we shut them down early and then I think it was just really cool to see Alex Morgan his first touchdown we know people were so excited to see him last year injuries kind of set him back a bit so seeing him being able to kind of have that perfectly drawn out play wide open over the middle no stress touchdown it was just um, it was such a fun game and so many great moments I mean Dylan Lang playing out of his mind uh, you could go on and on but those, I would say those were the three that really stuck out to me. No, those are three great moments. And that Alex Moore touchdown, there was uh there was a trick play aspect to it as Aiden Kanapik, the Vandal tackle, was split out wide on the play. Well, he sold it. He, he sold, sold it big time. And uh I, I you know, I said it on the air at the time that there was no one within a zip code uh, of him after it. I even got a chance briefly to talk with Luke Schleisner on the on the way back, the Vandal offensive coordinator. And uh that was another uh just another example of him dipping into the bag of trick plays there. And you know, one uh, piece of audio I want to get to here is on the post-game show. We had Coach Eck uh, join us as we do every single week at his thoughts. And uh, I thought this right here was uh, was pretty exciting for him to say. Obviously, it was a big win, but uh, and not only just this victory, he, he talked about this team and how special it is and how much uh, uh, the team's going to need fans uh, in the Kibbe Dome coming up. Well, I appreciate all our fans, and hey, we need you guys in the Kibbe Dome this year. This team is going to you know give you a great show to watch every week. We need you there. You gotta like camp out like at a campground because you can't get a hotel. Come to the games. We need you there because this is a special team and we need special crowds to like give us a great home field advantage. Good stuff as always with Coach Eck. And if you're you're not tuning in after, make sure you uh, you jump on the radio, you jump on the Varsity Network app, you jump on GoVandals.com, and uh, we have Coach Eck and typically a player or two join us on the post game show to get their thoughts right after the game. And that was from Coach Eck after the victory over Nevada on Saturday. Well, Chris, before we get to our interviews again, Alex Pribble will talk Vandal hoops, and we'll also sit down and chat with Justin Allegri, the voice of the Cal Bears, with more on this Cal game. 
The Golden Bears, the opponent for the Vandals this week. Uh, for Idaho, you look at these games, if you go two and three, you're, you're really, really pumped up. Talking about those three non-conference games. If you somehow go three and oh, you are over the moon. The Vandals, you look at that stats perform top 25 poll now up to five. What are just, uh, what's rolled around in your mind when you think about uh, Saturday's game against Cal? Yeah, I, you know, Cal's one, you mentioned it, and Coach Eck has been pretty honest about this throughout the year. His goal was to try to at least split these one and one, right? We were going to need one to put ourselves in a good position because our goal this year is not playoffs. It's to be a seeded playoff team. You kind of need more than seven wins to do that. The way our schedule shook out, that's why we need to add Lamar. So uh, the way we played Ke- or Nevada makes this Cal game seem a little bit more in reach than I think it did at the beginning of the season for a lot of Vandal fans. Uh, they they have looked good. Uh, they hung in there with Auburn last week, and for a while there looked like they were going to pull it out. They did beat a North Texas team that does look a little a little on the rocks at the moment. This, they haven't had the start of the season I think North Texas would have wanted. But, you know, this game has become a little bit more gettable. You mentioned we're number five in the FCS stats pool. If we win this game, I believe you have an honest argument to be top three. I know North Dakota State hasn't lost anybody. It's going to be really hard to sneak in uh, over North Dakota State just from what they've been the last 10, 12, 11 years. Um, but, man, if you have two FBS wins, one against a Mount G5, one against a Power 5, uh, and an FCS win, I, I don't know if we would definitely be top four. And I think you've got a legitimate argument for top three. Obviously, the goal you want to be the one or two seed because then you have home all the way to Frisco. So it doesn't matter if we're one or two. We just need to get in one of those spots. And a win against Cal would really be a great just crescendo to the end of our out-of-conference schedule. Well, one thing we'll talk about with Justin Allegri, too, is you catch Cal at an interesting time. They hosted Auburn last week, and maybe this isn't as great of an Auburn team as they have had in their program's history. It's still Auburn, and the next week they're playing UW, and UW has been rolling. They are a really talented team, led by Michael Penix, a quarterback the Vandals faced a few years ago in Indiana. So someone that the Vandals have uh, have clashed with on the gridiron before. So we'll dive into that more, Chris. Uh, it's great uh, chatting with you about all this exciting Vandal news. We appreciate the time. And uh, with that, we will jump into our interview with the head coach of the Vandal men's basketball team, Alex Pribble. Here's our conversation with Coach Pribble. Well, Coach, we really appreciate the time chatting here. First off, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Absolutely fantastic. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, means a lot. It's been a great, great couple of months starting to settle in, and yeah, things are just fantastic. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about. Uh, you get hired back in March, and I can only imagine what a whirlwind it's been. So just kind of big picture, take us from March uh, up until now. Here we are, school's off and going. We're into September. Man, it, it's hard to think that that was just you know six months ago or whatnot, five months ago, because so much has happened between then and now. Um, but it's all great things. So, you know, when I got the job here, my wife was actually 37 weeks pregnant at the time. So not only, you know, my first time division one head coach right now, but I'm also a first time father. So been learning a lot, um, head's been spinning, but it's all been so great. I feel like I've been getting better in both worlds every day. Um, and it's just been fantastic. So kind of hit the ground running when we got out here, family and I are all settled in, uh, spent a lot of time really focusing on the people, you know, for us, the foundation of this program is, is always about the people. You can't have a great program without great people in it. And so uh, 12 new players, brand new coaching staff put in place a, a you know group of, of young men that we're really, really excited about um, and a group of coaches that I love working with every day. So things are definitely moving in the right direction and, and had a lot of fun these first couple months. And I just want to hear more on that, that 
that takes a lot. Year to year, there's a lot between a season to the next. And here you are uh, taking over the program and assembling the coaching staff and bringing in all these exciting players. How do you look back on just uh, getting those pieces, finding those pieces, and here having this uh, this Vandal program that before we know it, it's going to be tipping off at the ICCU Arena? That's right. That's right around the corner. Huh? Really exciting. Well, I tell you what, um, you know, we had a blueprint in mind. We had, we had a process that we were trying to follow. When it comes to the specific players, we were really looking at three things. We wanted to make sure we were bringing in kids that were obviously talented, skilled, versatile players. Um, you know, we really prize uh, players that can pass, dribble, and shoot, not just one-dimensional guys. And then high-character young men is a big part of what we wanted to. We want to make sure they're going to represent our program in the right way, um, represent this community, this university in the right way. So that was a big piece of it. And then obviously, you know, the academic piece too, guys are going to take their, their schooling seriously, not just admissible, but, but understand what it means to earn a degree from the University of Idaho. So we had a blueprint in place. We went out there and tried to find the best players available. And we're really excited about the 12 guys we brought on board. Um, with that said, we also have three returners we're really excited about in Taryn Frank, Jack Hatton, and Titus Yearout. All three young men that represent those qualities perfectly. Um, hard workers that have been getting a lot better since they've been here. So Really, really excited about, you know, the, the players that we have here. Um, and since they've been together, you know, they've really got a good thing going in terms of cohesion. They're really getting along well. They're bonding well. They kind of fire each other up every day. Uh, it's just a good energy about this group. So really excited so far. And then on the coaching front, you know, for me, building a coaching staff is a lot like building a team. You know, you don't want everybody to be, you know, from the same background or from the same experience. You want a diversity of experiences. Guys are going to make each other better. And so... Uh, you know, we started out by bringing in Matt Jones, who is a guy I worked with at Seattle U, an extremely hardworking, smart young coach, and bounced out some of his youth with Brandon Laird, who is a former, uh, you know, head coach at Sacramento State, an interim head coach, has been in the conference for a long time, understands the landscape, um, and then bounced those two guys out with David Dunham, who's a fantastic, uh, you know, previous head coach at the junior college level, incredibly well connected in the Northwest and in Southern California, and just kind of a mentor to a lot of our younger players and younger staff members, truthfully. Um, and last but not least was Adam Ellis, a player that, or excuse me, a coach that I've worked with in the past. Um, he and I see things very similarly. We've been through it before. We trust each other. So um, a well-balanced coaching staff. And so, yeah, both on the, the student athlete front and the coaching front, we are really excited. And I know for Adam Ellis, this is kind of a homecoming a bit That's for him, right. not from Moscow, but uh, in the grand scheme of things, a, a stone's throw away. Absolutely. Oaksdale, he's, he's a, you know. It's a small community out there, and everybody knows the Ellis family, and he's fantastic, man. It's great because he, he would tell me, when we were working at St. Martin's together, he would tell me about the, the town he grew up in, but I'd never seen it before. And now driving back and forth from Spokane, I'm driving through Oaksdale every time, and it's, it's fantastic. So I always try to pull over at the local supermarket and drop Adam's name. And, <laughs> but uh, you know, we're really excited to have him and his family with us. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a great person and a great coach. The full slate of games is out. I know a lot was already set before you took the job, but I know in a couple ways, at least you're able to get your, your fingerprints on the schedule for this upcoming year. Uh, what are your thoughts on the schedule that the team has for this season? Yeah, you know, schedule, scheduling is such a big part of this job. Um, it really is. And so we wanted to be strategic about it. Like you said, a lot of the schedule was already set um, before I took over. And there were some great home games and some, some good home and aways that we were excited about. Um, but for us, we really wanted to add a little more pop on the schedule, add a little more juice on the schedule, both to get our players excited, but also to get this community excited. You know, it's a, a fresh start, a new program. We want to make sure everybody's excited. And this team is not going to back away from any challenges. So um, we were able to open up two games on the schedule. Um, and with those games, we were able to fill them with Washington State first and foremost. Uh, get the Battle of the Palouse going again. Obviously, something the community is really excited about, but our players are too. You know, our players are excited for high-level competition. They're excited for an opportunity to go up against a Pac-12 opponent and kind of see what they can do, especially early in the season. It'll be a great test for us. So 
excited to have that game back on the schedule. Um, and then the other game we were able to open up and, and get done was that Stanford game on the road. So, you know, uh, obviously a, a top tier university, a top tier basketball program, a lot of NBA guys funneling in and out of that program, the coaching staff, Coach Haas does a great job. Um, so another great opportunity for us. We do have some Bay Area guys on our roster, so it'll be a bit of a homecoming from that for them. Um, you know, and as a former Cal Bear, what's better than putting Stanford on the schedule, you know? <laughs> so I'm excited about that as well. But I tell you what, uh, the schedule is has a little more juice to it. We do have seven uh, non-conference home games, so we hope people will show up and support this great group of guys. Yeah, can't wait for those those home games. And then, shoot, the, the one road game, it feels like a home game in a lot of ways against WSU. For me personally, I have only heard unanimous excitement about that game being back on the schedule. What's been the feedback you've received about the Battle of the Palooza? A one-year blip where it was off the schedule, but as you said, getting it back on this year. Yeah, well, you know, one of the best things about this job, one of the best things about this opportunity is the community. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. You ask our players, you ask our staff. We're excited for a lot of reasons, but first and foremost, it's about you know, the pride that the community has in the Vandals and that, that rivalry, that, that Washington state Idaho game is a part of it. You know, they're excited to, to go over there and support. And every time we tell people we got Washington state on the schedule to start the year, they, they put a big smile on their face. Usually it's followed up by a, Oh, we'll see you out there. We'll, we'll meet you there. And so for us kind of rallying the troops, rallying the Vandals is a big part of what we're trying to do this first year. And, and that game, you know, provides an opportunity for a lot of excitement. I've been very fortunate. I've had just had that opportunity a little bit to, to see the guys uh, working out, uh, just see them on the floor. What has it been like uh, having this group together in the time that you have had uh, in uniform and getting a taste of just putting this team together and what it's going to be like for this year? Yeah, well, so far, so good. You know, obviously it's early. It's the honeymoon phase a little bit, um, but we're really, really excited about this group and about the potential of these guys when they all come together. So um, you know, we talk about this program being a program where we're going to compete together with joy and with purpose. Every time we're on the court, that's what we're going to be doing. So first and foremost, there's been a lot of bonding. There's been a lot of opportunities for the guys to get to know each other, get to know their strengths and their weaknesses, how they communicate together. Just a lot of, of team building early in the year, um, kind of pro providing a strong foundation within this program. And then we do it, you know, with a lot of fun, a lot of joy. Our guys do. If you come and watch practice, like you said, you, you'll hear the energy in the gym. You know, you'll see the smiles on their faces. We, we believe people are going to perform better. They're going to be at their peak performance level if they're enjoying what they're doing. We want them coming in the gym every time excited about practice, excited about the games. Shoot, even in the weight room, we want them excited about the weight room and the work they're doing in there. So there's a lot of joy within our program as well. And then purpose. You know, you can call it kind of the new school method of coaching, but we want our guys always understanding why we're doing what we're doing. It's not because the coach is telling them to do something. It's not because it's just, you know, part of the practice plan. We want them to understand every drill, every rep, every movement, why they're asked to do what they're doing, um, because we believe that leads to a lot of buy-in. And, uh, you know, coaching is, it's, it's a belief building business. That's what we're in. We want these guys to believe in us, to believe in what we're doing here and believe in just how great this program can be. And in that little time I've been able to see the team, I, it really jumped out to me it's the the leadership from the players, the vocal leadership. That was uh, just such a such a treat to see right away with a number of new guys in. Is that something that's jumped out to you? I know that's not by accident, yeah. by design, but it was it was really apparent from what I saw. Well, I appreciate you saying that because it absolutely is by design. It's something that's very important to us. It's it's a staple of our program is is leadership. We're we're growing leaders within our program, um, and we define leadership as the ability to make those around you better and more productive. Very simple. So there's a lot of ways to do it. Some guys are leading by example. Some guys are leading, you know, vocally, like you mentioned, you can hear it in the gym. But when things are tough and we're on the road and we're facing some adversity, it's not going to be on the coaches to rally these guys and get the energy going. We want them to rely on each other. We want them 
you know, at a huddle during a free throw to be able to look into each other's eyes, communicate the right things, lead each other and, and work through problems together. So um, this is a player led program. Um, and we're really, really excited about some of the leadership we have. You know, there's experienced guards on this team, even though it's a first year team, there's some experienced guys like Quinn Danker and D'Angelo Minnis and uh, Tyler Murris and some guys that have played before. Um, even on the front line, you talk about Kyson Rose and, and Taryn Frank returning and Julius Mims. These are guys that are um, for the most part, upperclassmen um, are confident, are experienced, and are team-first guys. So um, they're they're perfect leaders for us. You mentioned that word experience, but when you look up and down the roster, the thing that's particularly exciting is the the amount of guys who are going to run out of eligibility after this year. It's a minuscule number. That's right. That's right. Just one, just D'Angelo. So that's absolutely intentional. You know, we were looking for some experience, but also class balance. Um, you know, this is not something we're trying to have. Uh, you know, splash in the pan one year, a couple games of success. We're trying to build lasting success here at the University of Idaho. And the way you do that is through class balance. So we do have just that one senior. So we're excited about, you know, retaining this roster moving forward. But we have a great group of juniors, a great group of sophomores, and a strong group of young freshmen as well. So over time, you know, we're going to become more and more experienced. We're going to get better and better and really build this thing for the future. So, um, you know, I mentioned a number of guys that that have some experience, have some college, four-year college playing experience. Um, but for us, it's also about the process. You know, that Washington State game is extremely exciting. We've talked about it. But win or lose that first game, the process past that is going to be the same. We're going to learn from it. We win the game, we're going to learn from it. We lose the game, we're going to learn from it. And we need to be playing our best basketball in March. And that's what the whole preseason and even the early conference games are going to be about learning and improving day by day. Well, it's so great that the team is is getting that experience under their belt together. I know all that hard work is taking place right now that's going to pay dividends once the season rolls around. But I know also you've been all over the place meeting with Vandal fans, meeting with Vandals since you've taken over the job. What has it been like uh, getting to, to talk with all the great folks who, who love and support the University of Idaho? It's really, you know, like I said, probably the most special part of this experience so far. Um, you know, when I took over, I knew that there was a framework in place to be successful. I had no doubt about it. This beautiful facility. Um, you know, the resources, the great leadership at this university, there, there's some things that that provide a great framework. What I didn't quite understand was just how strong pride is in that Vandal name. Um, you know, you're walking down the street wearing Idaho gear and you hear a Go Vandals. You're walking through the airport, you know, and you hear a Go Vandals. You you can be anywhere on the West Coast and people are going to be shouting Go Vandals at you. And it, that's a special, special thing. And with that type of, um, you know, pride in the name, the people, the fans, the community, they deserve a winner. They deserve a program that's going to, uh, you know, elevate and, and something that they can be proud of. So, yeah, it's special. It really is. The community, um, you know, we've been tapping into a lot of the folks up in, in the Coeur d'Alene area. We've been talking to a lot of the folks in Lewiston. We were down in the Boise area, um, you know, throughout the state, really. But we want to be out there. We want to meet people. We want to get to know the fans. Um, and, and as this program grows on the court, we want to grow the support as well. Well, as you and I talk today, the Vandal football team has a game coming up in Berkeley against Cal, a spot that you know very well. And, and my understanding is you'll be heading on that trip. Are you looking forward to uh, uh, heading back to your old stomping grounds? This I weekend? am, man. I am for a number of reasons. You know, being on the charter flight with, with the football team, partially I got to rub elbows with those guys and get some of what they're doing rubbing off on our program because, boy, what a great job Coach Eck and the guys are doing. Um, just a fantastic program that's clicking on all cylinders right now. It's fun to walk by their practices and kind of be a fly on the wall and see the way they, they do things because I have a, a tremendous amount of respect for that coaching staff and, and just the uh, the amount of growth that they've had the last couple of years. So that's been a lot of fun. Now, you know, this trip is going to be great. Like you said, it's my old stomping grounds. And I grew up a Cal fan. I really did. I, I was from the Bay Area. Um, that was, you know, my backyard school. And I had the opportunity to play for them. So there's definitely some uh, some Cal 
you know, blood that runs deep in, in my body. It's, it's, it's where I grew up and it's, it's what I love, but I have not been around a program or a university that has the same type of pride as Cal uh, until I came here, right? You talk about walking through an airport and, and hearing go vandals. You got the same thing when you're at Cal. There's a lot of go bears fly, 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 flying around. So um, long story short, I'm very excited to be on the charter down there. Very excited to be traveling with the team to meet up with some vandal fans and alumni when I'm down there. Um, and I guarantee you, I'll be wearing the Idaho shirt across my chest and the Idaho hat for sure. Well, for those Vandal fans who are either in the area or coming from out of the area for that game, what what are your tips? What do they need to hit up and see while they're in Berkeley if they're, if they're not there very often? Oh, it's all great stuff, man. There's so many good things going on in Berkeley. Uh, just a lot of excitement when you walk down the street. Down, you walk down Telegraph Avenue, you get a big dose of Cal, and it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, but there's great restaurants, there's great places to visit, great people walking down the street. So much like I would tell. You know, any any folks that are in town here for a football game, just get out in the community, meet people, say hello. It's it's a lot of fun. Should be a spirited fun game. So I'm thinking back to your time as a player at Cal, as a student athlete at Cal, and I don't know. You tell me if I'm wrong on my timeline here, but that was at least in the range of a, a special time of, of guys we still talk about: Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch, Deshaun Jackson. My close for those guys you crossed paths. You were spot on, man. Those are great guys and guys that I, that I knew uh, fairly well when I was in college there. So. A couple of the players on my team, um, Leon Poe, Allende Ubaka, some of the, the Cal greats uh, during my year were from Oakland, California, which is where Marshawn Lynch is from. And they actually played high school basketball together. So Marshawn would be out and about with us and uh, just a great guy. All the stories you hear about him as a Seahawk or, you know, or a Raiders, just, just, he was the same guy in college. So um, just a bright ball of energy, a great, great guy. And Aaron Rodgers the same way. You know, I, plenty of time, uh, you know, the, the athletic community is very small at Cal Berkeley, much like it is at Idaho where all the athletes kind of know each other. So yeah, Deshaun Jackson and Aaron Rodgers and, you know, guys like Alex Mack, who had an unbelievable career um, as a center at, at Cal, and just a, a whole bunch of job at best, a whole bunch of football players that had great NFL careers, are still playing to this day. Um, and the basketball was pretty good, too. No doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, there were some good players, uh, both on our team, guys like Ryan Anderson, who had great NBA careers, and Leon Poe had great great NBA careers. But the Pac-10 at the time, uh, you know, guys like Brandon Roy and Aaron Brooks and, uh, you know, just, just across the board, so many great players. Kevin Love, just great basketball players throughout the conference. So, yeah, it was fun. I very much enjoyed my time. Well, I'm thinking of, of this, and you're taking me on a trip down memory lane as well of just uh, being able to see a, a lot of those teams at the time that were, were outstanding from Cal. And uh, so growing up a Cal fan, you were a student athlete there. If I would have told you that uh, Cal was going to be an ACC school back in the day, you know, coming up here in, what, 2024, whenever that happens, what would you have thought if I would have told you that then? Yeah, I don't know. It would have been hard to believe. I'll tell you that much. Um it's an exciting time in college athletics, right? The landscape is changing and, and I feel like year by year things are, are changing. And, you know, if nothing else, it's going to bring some fun, exciting new rivalries into Hospitalian. So I'm excited for those guys. I talked to Coach Madsen actually after after the change was made. And, you know, you get home games against Duke and against North Carolina and you get some of these Florida State, you get some of these, um, you know, new schools coming into Hospitalian and boy, that's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm excited for those guys. Um, like you said, the, the, the landscape is is changing every year right now. So you kind of control what you can control if you're them and, and you have fun with uh, with the new opportunities. All right. The hardest hitting question I have oh, for you during this whole interview, when it's that first home game at the ICCU Arena, and or I guess it will be the WSU game fans fans will see her here at the ICCU mm-hmm. Arena. When they see you on the sideline, are you kind of going more the new school of just the polo? <laughs> are you going with the, the shirt and tie? What uh, what are you going with? That's an important question, Chris. It really is, man. The last time I was a head coach at St. Martin's University, it was suit and tie. It was full on, you know, ties and, and 
looking as professionals, we could be on the sideline. And, and there was a statement that was made with that. Moving forward, we're, we're, we're cha- making a little change. So we're we'll wearing the slack still, but we'll, we're wearing little quarter zips most of the time and, and looking sharp, much like most of the coaches at this point. So um, yeah, I sat down and, and we discussed it on the coaching staff, I can say, and, and everybody was in favor of, <laughs> of the new quarter zip look. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll be matching on the sideline wearing some of those, those long sleeves. Seems like COVID was kind of the turning point for that. That was really maybe so. the point where the, the trend went in the other direction. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Well, we really appreciate the time here. Is there anything that, that I haven't had a chance to ask you about that you just want to let every everyone listening out there there know is here we are and in, in September and uh, shoot, uh, the season will be here before we know it. Yeah, well, I'd say this, you know, you just brought up the first time we're going to be playing a game in the ICCU. And from the minute I've taken over here, um, that that vision has been just so solid in my mind. Walking into the ICCU, the best arena around, packed with passionate Vandal fans, students from from wall to wall, alumni, people chanting, go Vandals, screaming, you know, all the energy that that football's bringing right now, continuing that momentum into basketball. Um it's what's going to make this place special. You know, we hope that this is the best home court environment in the conference. Um, and we're going to put a product on the court that people are excited about. We're going to get up and down. We're going to play with some pace. We're going to play with some emotion. We're going to compete for 40 minutes, no matter what. And so, you know, that idea of walking into this place, you know, the, the music loud, the fans even louder, um, and just what, what winning a game in this place in front of all, all the fans would, would be like, would feel like. It's just really, really special. So I hope to see everybody in the ICCU this year. Um, we're going to build it. We're going to get better and better and better, and it's going to be a really special season. You got me fired up. I can't wait. We appreciate the time. It <laughs> will be pleasure. here soon. Thanks again. Go Vandals. Well, big thank you to Coach Pribble again. Hoop season will be here before we know it. It is going to get started with the return of the Battle of the Palouse. That will be on Monday, November 6th in Pullman. And then the home opener. First time to see this brand new Vandal basketball team in action at the ICCU Arena will be on Thursday, November 9th. It will be here before we know it. And I can't wait. Well, keeping up with the Cal connection, Coach Pribble is a Cal grad. The Vandal football team heading down to Berkeley this week week to take on the Cal Bears and we are really excited to have a conversation with Justin Allegra. He's the brand new voice of the Cal Bears, made his debut in their opener against North Texas. He spent the last 11 years as the voice of the San Jose Spartans for football and men's basketball. Also does some broadcasting for minor league baseball San Jose Giants and you can hear him on Sony PlayStation's MLB The Show. So Justin, who I've had the good fortune of knowing for for over a decade now uh, he replaces joe starkey as cal's football play-by-play broadcaster uh, joe starkey retired at the end of last season after 48 years behind the microphone and justin uh, doing an outstanding job of taking the baton and keeping up that uh, really great tradition of broadcasting at cal so we get to have a chance to talk with justin about saturday's game here is our conversation with justin allegri Well, Justin, we really appreciate the time today. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Let's start right here. Congrats. This is uh, your first season as the voice for Cal after having been at San Jose State for many years. Uh, How's everything going in Berkeley? Oh, man, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a whirlwind. I I got hired on in early August, so it was kind of this moment of, oh, gosh, I've got to learn this football team, learn the program, learn the faces around the program, and then get into it, and, and we're into it right now. So, I mean, ecstatic that I'm able to be the voice of the Bears and you know it's it's hit the ground running but it's been a lot of fun and and for I, I gotta also mention that 
you know, you and I have crossed paths several times. We've known each other for a long time. So it's, it's fun to finally meet in football. I, I don't think we've ever had a chance to do that in football. So I'm excited for that too. That is uh, very true. We first met in, in 2012 and, uh, and then again for hoops about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, got to see each other. Now we get a, get a meet up for football. So this is, this is great. And, uh, you know, along those lines, what are kind of the big stories when you were prepping going into the year? What were the big, the big questions? What were people talking about uh, for Cal going into the season? And obviously here we are two games in, but just uh, the outlook going into the year. Well, the big storylines for the team, just in general, there was so much turnover, and we're seeing that more and more in college football these days with the transfer portal rules the way they are, but 49 new players on the roster for the Bears in the offseason, which is just a huge amount. Uh, 27 of those were transfers from either junior college, division one, what have you. So it, it was the fan base learning the team, too, and the coaches trying to understand how they could use certain players and certain personnel. So that was storyline number one for me. Um, three new offensive coaches were brought in, including the offensive coordinator, but all three of them had been either offensive coordinators or head coaches at the FBS level prior to them. So a wealth of knowledge comes in to help support a team that had been struggling to score over the last few years uh, and, and trying to solidify their offense. And then when you dive even further on that, they had a quarterback battle uh, between two transfers, one from NC State and Ben Finley and one from TCU and Sam Jackson. Jackson won the job. Both have been used in the first two games so far. Uh, so it's 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 a question of how they want to run the offense. Both are different. Both can bring a variety of things to the table, but it, it kind of changes the play calling. So on, on, on the fundamental side, those are the three big storylines coming into the season. And I think we're kind of seeing that play out here over the first couple of weeks. When you talk about the quarterback position, what are those skill sets and what have they kind of turned to when, when rotating between the quarterbacks? Yeah, so the, the announcement was made about a week before the season that Sam Jackson was going to be the starter. And the coaching staff really was was communicating that, hey, we want this to be the story because we don't want it to be a distraction week of the games. Uh, so Jackson came on as the starter, and he was the guy against North Texas. And then he tried to make a run and went down and hurt his non-throwing shoulder. So Finley came in, ended up throwing for a career high in that game, and, and Bears ultimately brought in their, their third quarterback. So it was a question mark for Jackson whether he was going to play this week against Auburn. Ends up playing as a backup in that game and, and engineered a scoring drive, uh, the only touchdown drive of the game for the Bears. So when you look at the two of them, both have pedigree, both have power five experience. Uh, but when Jackson's on the field, he is the fastest guy on the field. I mean, he was outrunning Auburn safeties last week uh, with his ability. And, and there's just so many more things that you can do with him and a running back in the backfield. There's so many more options to open up the playbook. And that's not as though Ben Finley isn't a runner. He can do it. But he's more of that traditional stand in the pocket fire it downfield, see what I can get type of quarterback. And you just don't have that second element of the the, the guy that can run for a first down when you really need it. Uh, but, you know, that's how Jackson got injured. He, he was trying to make a play with his legs and ultimately extended himself. So there's gives and takes, uh, obviously. And, and, you know, I expect to see both of them for maybe one or two more games until one settles into the role. 
Well, you mentioned about how one of those storylines going into the year was about if the team can put up more points. It seemed like it was a big mission accomplished in the first matchup against North Texas. You touched on the quarterbacks there, but it takes a, it takes more than that to score 58 points. What allowed the team to have an, an offensive output like that in the opener? Well, it was a new offensive coordinator that I think was trying to make a statement to the fan base that, hey, we're going to score some points this year. We may turn it over a little bit more than, than years past, but we're going to put some points on the board. Um, obviously, in that particular game, the run game was outstanding. And I, I didn't expect to see the run game that that dynamic. Uh, Jaden Ott, who had, had a great freshman season last year, uh, came out and had 188 yards on the ground. 107 of those were in the first quarter. Uh, and, and one of the questions in terms of the depth behind him, because you knew he was going to be the starter, how they would handle running number two, running back number three, and and both of those players in Isaiah Afonso, who was a transfer from Montana State, led their program in rushing yardage all time. And Ashton Stredick came in and had successful games as well. Afonso had three rushing touchdowns. So that was the stunner to me. Now, can you sustain that? Probably not, especially not the way they want to throw the ball. But it was nice to see the balance that could be there. Uh, in that game. And then when you you look at the Auburn game, it wasn't execution on offense. There were a couple of possessions in the first quarter where they had the ball inside the Tigers 35-yard line and didn't score a touchdown. So when I say work in progress, there's certainly some things to do to try and and keep that balance and keep that attack. And, and there's there's work to be done. And you mentioned the Auburn game. It was a 14-10 to 10 loss. But I would think if you, if you knew going into that game, you're going to hold Auburn to 14 points. Uh, Cal would have would felt pretty good about their chances, right? Yeah, I think you look at that game and from a defensive standpoint, they forced three fumbles, they had an interception, uh, they they did what they needed to do at home. If you hold a, an SEC team to fourteen points at home, that's a win. It, 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 it just was a great defensive performance, but the offense couldn't support it, uh, and and the coaching staff obviously was upset about that. There were several opportunities for field goals to be tacked on, but three were missed. One was hit and then called back into a penalty. And when you play an SEC team, you have to play fundamental football and you have to execute. There wasn't enough of that in the game for for the Bears to win at home against an SEC team. And Auburn did enough, uh, both on the offensive side and defensive side, to get it done. What would you say to this point in the season, just after seeing all these these new faces in action to this point, what would you say are the greatest strengths for the team? I really like the defensive line uh, right now. I, I thought they did a real nice job against Auburn. Auburn traditionally, as you know, a running style team. They just really try to pound it downhill, use their physicality up front. But the Bears have rotated about five or six guys in the defensive line. And they were just tremendous uh, in the first two games. Brett Johnson, when he's healthy, he's an NFL body. Uh, and he's missed the last two seasons, so it was nice to see him. I think the note was a 1,001 days in between snaps on the field uh, for Brett Johnson. He's just a menace up there. Um, there have been a couple others, Correa and, and, uh, and Burl have been great. So it's been a good group there. The secondary has been solidified as well with a lot of depth. They play some nickel probably half the time. Uh, so it, the defense to me has been the most fun to watch. Obviously, they pitched a shutout in the second half against North Texas, and they hold SCC team to 14 points. That's going to be your storyline, but that's been the most impressive to me. I guess on the flip side, sounds like the kicking game might be part of this, but what would you say has been kind of the weaknesses, things that Cal wants to improve on uh, just through these two games? 
Yeah, I think you can you can look at the kicking game and kind of just say, all right, well, there were points left off the board, but leading up to those kicking opportunities, how are they not getting the first downs? How are they not scoring in the red zone? Um, why aren't they utilizing some of their strengths in those tight situations? And I think that's a question that they're coming into this week trying to look at because against North Texas, the the, the mindset after the game, well, there's great win. We, we scored 58 points, but the coaching staff looked at it and said, gosh, it, it could have been more than that because we made a lot of mistakes in that first half. That's what the, the message to the team was. Uh, the careless pre-snap penalties uh, and things like that, they were really trying to emphasize. And then you go into the Auburn game and you, you just don't execute. Uh, and, and it was a, a moment in that first quarter where you could have put them on their heels real quick. It, it could have been 14 to nothing about six minutes into the game. Instead, it was 3 nothing with the field goal missed. So you, you can look at the kicking game and say, gosh, what we could have had there. And that's a that's an easy way to look at it for sure. And it's it's points taken off the board that you don't have. But what leads to that uh, is, is a good question, too. And I, I don't know. I haven't talked to the coaching staff yet this week, but I would imagine that they're going to try and reevaluate the kicking situation and see if they can at least give some confidence or make a change uh, this early in the season, because right now, uh, there have been five field goal missed in the first two games, and uh, a good amount of those were makeable. So that's going to be something to look at. You've mentioned so far a number of those impact players for Cal. Uh, any other guys you haven't touched on that uh, they're going to have to have a big season or big things are expected for them uh, for Cal to have a, a very successful year? Well, I think in terms of just the overall scoring, and, and we're going to go back to this a lot because the defense, I think, has some big names and and they were expected to be pretty good this year. Um, but how are you going to score some more points? And, and I mentioned the running backs and the, the wide receiver group. Uh, they, they also brought in a couple of more transfer type players, a six year guy uh, transfer from Washington and Taj Davis. But Hunter comes back, Jeremiah Hunter, who was uh, one of the, the best stories for Cal's offense last year. He's going to be a real weapon that they're going to need to utilize a lot. And, and the depth at the wide receiver position is going to be fun. Now, they haven't used a bunch yet this year, uh, but there have been several players in practice that have looked apart and have been able to, to provide. So I want to see how that pans out and how players uh, continue to improve there over the course of the season. And, and who knows when they need to call on somebody, they can because they have that depth. You know, in, in the the roles that we have, we get to learn a lot about these players and coaches, and uh, there's some pretty fun stories. Is there any story or two that stands out from a Cal player or coach that uh, maybe even beyond just putting up big numbers that uh, is a particularly uh, fun one that you get excited when you get the chance to tell? It's interesting because there, there, there have been several already this year, and I mentioned the Brett Johnson one and thousand and one days in between snaps and and all that you know jackson sermon his his father is the defensive coordinator and sermon was one of four players in the pac 12 last year that had over 100 tackles so that's kind of a fun angle too um last week the quarterback sam jackson his high school quarterback sam didn't play quarterback in high school until his senior year uh, because the quarterback at Auburn was his high school quarterback. So uh, he was kind of stuck in, in in this spot where he he couldn't get much playing time. He was a wide receiver for him. So stories like that come up pretty often. Um, and, and there's there's a lot of stories, you know, Caleb Elarms Orr, who's had a great first couple of weeks as a linebacker for the Bears. You know, he's, he's a guy that hadn't started until this year and 
been transferring over to a, a defensive role. So that's been fun to watch. There, there's there's a lot of storylines. The, the secondary has two Mountain West transfers that came over, and they used to play against each other, and and now they're playing with each other, and they're having a lot of fun. There, there's there's a lot. There's a lot. And that's what's fun. You you know about the course of the season, you kind of learn those stories and you get a chance to kind of dig deep into them. And as you go, you may even uh, figure out there's even more of a wrinkle to them. So it'll be fun this year. No doubt about it. Idaho's catching Cal at an interesting time. This is kind of a tough sandwich that you you go from playing Auburn and then there's a big showdown with UW uh, after that. Uh, I'm just curious from your perspective, any early thoughts on this game coming up uh, between Cal and Idaho? Between between Cal and I, yeah, I mean, it's it's... It's something that Cal, I think, needs to try and make a statement on early. Um, the fan base right now is kind of seeing this as an offense that needs to get going, needs to be a little more efficient. Uh, and especially when you consider getting into Pac-12 play, like you mentioned, it doesn't get very easy. You have Washington, you have Oregon, you have UNC, you have all these ranked teams. Utah are really, really good. Um, if your your barometer for things is the way that you performed against Auburn. Things are going to need to improve if you want to try and be competitive and win some games in the Pac-12. So this is a game where the, the Bears are going to t- need to take it very seriously. Of course, what you're seeing last week's score for the Vandals uh, against Nevada, they have to take it very seriously, and they have to work on some things. And you want to see some positives coming out of this game so that you can move forward with a little more confidence heading into Pac-12 play. Well, also on this podcast, we're sitting down with uh, new Vandal men's basketball coach, Alex Pribble, who's a Cal grad. And I'm going to ask him this question as well. But, you know, I think about it from your perspective. I was fired up when you got the Cal job. And then I think, and you can correct me if my timing's wrong, uh, then the whirlwind of conference realignment happened shortly thereafter. So, you know, Cal, not too long ago, Pac-12. And then I think most of those Pac-12 schools were hoping for a good resolution with uh, keeping it together. Then uh, that changes. It becomes the Pac-4. And then, and then Cal and Stanford uh, find a home in the ACC. What has this stretch uh, been like? And uh, just uh, what's what's the future like? It's it's an interesting time. And, and Cal is one of those schools that's uh, one of the prime examples of, of things are going to be changing as far as uh, who you're playing coming up in the near future. Yeah, and, and I'll share kind of a funny story with you. And some people call it tragic, but I think it's funny. So the, the day I got announced, Colorado left for 12. And the first day I had on campus is when the other four schools left. So I was sitting there going, maybe it's me. And then the first road trip we have the night before the game, the opener in North Texas, it's announced that Cal and Stanford are going to the ACC. So it's, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been pretty crazy. Uh, it, everybody in the administration has kind of been drinking out of a fire hose to try and get something done. They're, they're ecstatic. About going to the ACC, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about you know travel and things like that. But when it's all said and done, you, you wanted to keep the student athletes at the Power Five level. You wanted to maintain the academic integrity that Cal uh, knows, and that was a way to do it. And so, you know, is it sad that the Pac-12 went the way it went? Yeah, it's tragic. More than a hundred years as a conference, so many great rivalries, so many good regional locations for fans to go to. Yeah, it's, it's, that's that's sad. Um, from Cal's perspective, they wanted to, to to keep what they were doing at the highest level, and, and now they've got that opportunity with the likes of Duke and North Carolina and uh, all those Virginia schools, and it's going to be a lot of fun next year. 
Well, at least two this year, you know, for the schools, there's WSU and Oregon State and however that works out. But uh, for the schools that are still in the uh, the Pac-12, it's already made for one heck of a season and a strong start. So uh, definitely seems like it's going to be going out uh, uh, with a bang and a very fun fall ahead for Cal and all the other schools uh, still in the Pac-12, or at least uh, what uh, what is ahead in this fall. Justin, uh, we really appreciate the time. This has been great catching up. Uh, thanks so much and uh, look forward to seeing you there in Berkeley on Saturday. Yeah, it's good to catch up with you, too, and, and uh, hopefully I can show you around now that I have one home game under my belt. We'll, we'll have some fun. Sounds good. Thanks again. Thank you. Well, thank you again, not only to Justin Allegri, but to all of our guests on this episode of the Vandal Insider Podcast. Justin, along with Alex Pribble and Chris Hammond from the VSF for jumping on as well. We will be with you next on the Vandal Radio Network coming up Saturday from Berkeley. Kickoff at 1 o'clock Pacific time. Our coverage will start an hour prior. We'll be back with you right here next week for a fresh episode of the Vandal Insider Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. And until then, peace up.